Welcome to the Emergency Management Podcast, a show about planning for, responding to, and recovering from emergencies. I'm Stuart Walker, and this is the place where we talk to emergency management professionals and learn from them so that we can make a positive impact on the safety of our community. What do you know about burn prevention? In this episode, we talk to Senior Station Officer Andrew Smith from the Country Fire Authority in Victoria, Australia. During our conversation, Andrew shares his knowledge about burns and the importance of having a collaborative approach to managing burn prevention. Andrew Smith, welcome to the Emergency Management Podcast. Hi, Stu. How are you going? Good, thank you. Now, today we're going to be talking all things burn prevention, but when did you first realise you had a passion for burn prevention? Uh, I was basically working with CFA full-time and working in comp safety. We were looking at uh, some stats and figures and I sort of discovered that there was a whole gamut of people, I guess, out there in our community that weren't being covered or we weren't getting the stats on um, from CFA's perspective. So I started to do some further investigation and realised that we weren't capturing a whole group of people out there that were getting burnt through burn injuries. So just went down the track and started looking for for some facts and figures and, uh, yeah, came up with where I am today. So um, I can give you the history of where it all started. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Yeah, yeah. Back in 2004, I, um, I approached the uh, Alfred Hospital and I was looking for data. And back in those days, it, was, it wasn't sort of kept a lot on uh, computer stuff. So I was given some um, spreadsheet data, which I sat down and put together. And it was based on uh, Melbourne Metropolitan and Country Victoria. Went through that, put it in an Excel spreadsheet and come up with some interesting facts and figures of where people were getting burnt, how they were getting burnt um, and even down to the suburbs. We can't do that now because of privacy. But uh, since then, it's gone on become the, the National um, Burn Industry uh, Register, which the Alfred Hospital and the Royal Children's contribute to and it's nationwide. But uh, just in those early days, um, just doing the figure work by hand and an Excel spreadsheet, we discovered some interesting facts in relation to um flame-type injuries that we weren't really capturing. So, so what are some um, of the causes of burns? Yeah, um, basically uh, petrol or accelerants, basically, um, being used when they shouldn't be. People thinking that they're pretty safe to use an accelerant on a on lighting a bonfire or lighting a campfire, barbecues, and really it's a, it's not a good thing to do. Um, and everyone in, the, I guess, the fire service would have seen some of those results of what's happened, and especially in the hospitals. Um, people just don't realise the consequences of people you know, using accelerants and that, um, con- that uh, flashback, if you like, of the flames. It's interesting to look at some of the yep. st- statistics and that an accelerant was used to ignite or enhance a flame in over half of the burns in the 16 to 49-year-old age group. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that we're not um, capturing. Um, and th- th- just going back a little bit from that, though, um, we weren't uh, capturing that as we, we, we could on our fire reports, um, and that's the data that we've been sort of only way we could gather it. But it was okay to capture it on our fire reports, but then there was a whole series of people that we weren't capturing that fell outside of our fire reports. And um, since then, working with the, the two um, hospitals or the adult burn unit and the Royal Children's Hospital Burns Unit, we've now been able to capture that data. And, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I think in the early days we were looking and uh, burns were our early fire safe program and uh, it was basically, oh, yeah, it's 
sort of scolds to, you know, young children under the age of five. But then when it got up into the adult range, it turned it completely around and now we're looking at like 68% of all burn injuries into that go into the Alfred are um, accelerant-related or, or, sorry, flame-related. So that includes gas cylinders, um, accelerants, you know, house fire incidents, that sort of stuff that we aren't really capturing and, and doing. I don't believe we're doing enough work on to prevent that. So how big is the issue then? Well, the issue, we don't, I guess go back a few years, we don't really see those really massive burns that we used to see back in the early days, if you like, because of a number of reasons. Smoke detectors have helped us, clothing that we've managed to get off the market over the years, the banning of fireworks, legal fireworks, now they're illegal, um, then people are still using them. But that that was a huge contribution to um, burn-related injuries in Victoria. So that dropped off considerably when they were stopped in the 70s. But no, we, just going forward, we we just need to make sure that um, people are aware that burn injuries are happening every day. Um, I think it was five thousand people in Victoria are burnt, sustain a burn injury. That's adults and children, and out of that, about eighteen hundred people are transported to hospital via ambulance, Victoria, and uh, there's about four hundred people end up in the Alfred Hospital every year um, with burn, some sort of burn related injury, and that doesn't include the people that may not get to the burn hospital um, that pass away before that. So yeah, there's there's a number number of um, people that are getting burned every year in Victoria that we're not capturing. So, Andrew, you you mentioned a lot of the data. Are there still any gaps in the data? I believe we've got it pretty well down pat now that we're capturing data from um, the burns units. I guess the only area that uh, we've still got a few sort of, I guess, missing gaps is that gap between where people end up coming to the bur- coming to casualty say and um, presenting as a burn injury and then it's not really I guess they're, they're treated and, and out the door um, whereas the stuff that we get, we're getting going to the uh, burns units we're, we're definitely capturing that in the um, burn register stuff but there's yeah there, there's still probably a lot of people out there that we're not aware of most of the main like obviously if someone's really badly burnt we're capturing that um, through either a, a, an intensive care unit or through the burns unit yeah uh, it's interesting though how the process works like if someone is burnt um, in country area of Victoria then the process is that if they sustain more than um, I think it's 10 percent burns to their you know their body then they obviously get referred to the Alfred or the children's it might be just a phone call initially and then after that they might say no we need to see that person and if there's certain areas of the body that's burned as well or there's inhalation injury uh, suspected then yeah it's the burns unit off they go mm. because they're the specialists and, and, and treating it all the time you mentioned earlier that that some of the causes of burns are when people use an accelerant. Yep. I understand that, that now there are flame arresters uh, that can be fitted to, to fuel containers, et cetera, can stop burns, and this has been legislated overseas but not yet in Australia. Would that yeah. would that go a long way to solving the problem? I believe it would. Um, I was in uh, Las Vegas this April with the American Burn Association Conference, and that's when I found out that the work that's been going on in America and Canada uh, of putting this flame um, filter, if you like, onto all fuel containers, to prevent those injuries. Um, obviously, people shouldn't be using it in the first place, but it was a way of reducing those types of injuries um, that they were seeing in the States. So it'll be interesting to follow that up and um, find out what we can do here in Australia to see if we can we can introduce that here or not. Yeah. And a number of years ago in Australia, we saw a lot of people getting burnt when they were refuelling uh, speedboats and things like that. What was done yep. to prevent it, some of those injuries? Yeah, that was interesting. There was no um, data prior because we had a drought. 
Mm. So there was no data really happening um, because there was no one getting burnt. Mm. Then what happened, we had the break in the drought and the, the lakes around Victoria started to fill up and then people started to get out on their predominantly speedboats and uh, there'd be then all of a sudden we saw this increase of people getting burnt in um, boat-related in, boat related um, issues. So what we did there is uh, with the work we did with the Victorian Burns Prevention Partnership, we um, I suggested we, we contact Marine Safety Victoria and see if there was something we can do with them to go out and promote the um, the safety aspects of, you know, not refuelling, um, turning the boats off when, um, when they're doing that uh, and just having those boats maintained as well. Mm. And uh, I think we, we haven't seen too many so this year, but it'll be interesting to see. It's mainly a summer issue. Um, we have seen a number already, though, between April and now. We've seen, I think we we had one episode, um, um, could have been up at, uh, I think it was Lake Epilogue. I'm, I'd have to check that. But yeah, we, we, it definitely an issue. Um, and then I guess when there's a drought, we won't see them again because people aren't using those speedboats in those areas. And do you think there's any misconceptions about, uh, I guess, the, the prevention activities and how they're targeted at the moment? Uh, it, it, I guess it's one of those things, how do you really prevent you know, run a burn prevention campaign. Um, other than, uh, I, I guess now it's easier with Facebook pages and social media and things like that. Whereas in the past, it was very hard to, you'd have to do a brochure and whether people would read that brochure would be another thing. Um, and it's too late to go and talk to someone afterwards because it's already happened. Um, but now with social media, we can get on top of something. If we see uh, like a burn related injury uh, happen and then we see another one of the same cause, we can quickly get onto social media through the alpha hospital and the Royal Children's and get those messages out, even through CFA's um, social media aspects, and get those um, safety messages out to try and hopefully um, curb any more incidents that we might see. And do you think it's important that, to have the interagency collaboration on these sort of oh, burn prevention activities? Yeah, certainly. Um, the I guess it's a bit groundbreaking having a, an emergency service working with a hospital. Um, I know we look at other, you know, partnerships around the place, but it's a bit like a, a round peg in a square hole um, where you've got an emergency service being a fire service working really closely with a, um, two hospitals to try and work on the same thing. We're all trying to do the same um, thing, prevent fires, prevent burn injuries, and burn injuries are part of that that fire, uh, you know, part of our act is making sure that we prevent um, property and, and life uh, injuries. So um, it's it's really a, one of those things where where does it fit? Mm. And it's so unique that it doesn't fit anywhere, but we're still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And where do you think Australia sits in its activities towards burn prevention? Yeah, after attending the ABA conference this year in, in Las Vegas, um, and I happened to go to last year's convention as well in um, in Chicago, I must say self-funded, yeah. but uh, not a freebie. Um, it was interesting to see that um, Victoria, with our v- Victorian Burns Prevention Partnership, we're pretty high up there in relation to um, what we're doing, uh, a bit groundbreaking, I guess, and what we're doing. And um, yeah, I, I, I was I came away from the first conference thinking, yeah, we I thought we were going in there as very much you know novices, but coming out of that, um, was asked to uh, sit on the American Burn Association Burn Prevention Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, being the only international person on that, I was a great honour. Uh, and then going back this year and actually being invited to sit on their pre um, convention, I guess, meeting and having input into the prevention plan and things like that was a was a great honour. And have them li- sit down and listen to what I. I was saying was just amazing. We certainly have, uh, uh, you know, we're way out there in front and what we're doing. And they're very envious on what we're doing in relation to the partnership and um, 
how we can get legislation changed. Because mm-hmm. it talk, we, um, I guess when you've got the branding of the Royal Children's Hospital, the Alfred Hospital, CFA and MFB, uh, those are really, really strong brands in the community and, um, and trustworthy brands. So if we go to the coroner's office or we go to, um, you know, Australian Consumer Affairs and say, hey, we've got an issue here, they sit down and listen to us mm-hmm. because, of, because of that branding. Yeah. Which is quite unique. Yeah. And, the conference must have been fascinating. What else did you learn there? Wow. Uh, there was a whole heap of things there um, in relation to, uh, I guess, what we, we're always looking for what's next. And um, it's fairly hard to sort of predict and get your crystal ball out and try and work out what is the next thing that's going to see happening here in Australia. I found out that we're, we're no different than America in some aspects in relation to burn injuries. Some, one of the ones was um, campfires and uh, they get a lot of young children burning their feet because mm. they're walking on campfires and, and things like that. But uh, the, the, so we've tried campaigns and we obviously we, – we tried campaigns over our Easter period and summer period in relation to that. But one of the uh, – some of the other ones, though, that were um, coming out was the – I guess I can talk about it – was the um, legalisation of marijuana in America mm. and um, the way that people are trying to, to I guess, extract – the THC out of that and um, they're causing themselves to get burnt by that process. I'm mm. not going to say what that process is, but, um, yeah, we're seeing a huge increase in that because of the uh, you know, direct result of them legalising it in certain states, um, which is interesting. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's certain things going on over there. Um, but we're no different. Accelerants um, are quite still high up. One of the biggest things, though, is fireworks. They are so envious that we don't have um, fireworks that you know anyone can light and set off. And I was reading an article actually today. Um, there was a house fire in one of the states in America where a firework had caused a house fire, and a gentleman and his dog passed away because of it. They believe they're still under investigation. But you know, and the Fourth of July over there is absolutely huge with fireworks, and they succeed. They see some really like a lot of injuries um, because of that, and thankfully, yeah, I know everyone likes fireworks and going, you know, and say we're party poopers for not having them here. But yeah. to go to the hospital and see the extent of the injuries associated with it and damage and things like that, it, yeah, they're not good. Um, so, yeah, I guess we're leaders in that regard. Um, some of the other things we've been able to do in uh, over here is um, getting. Uh, we had an incident with um, hot water bottles burning a lot of people, and we we found that it was a particular type of hot water bottle, and we managed to go to the consumer affairs and get that pulled and um, taken off the shelves to prevent any more burn injuries. That's a significant effort. And how long would it take if you identify a product that has a a fault? Yep. To, to bring that to fruition to get something taken off the market? It can take a while. Take? Yeah, it can take a while. Um, if it's an immediate thing, then obviously they, the people in that can bring it forward a lot quicker. Um, but having that direct link with those organisations is a bonus. Mm. Um, it's something, I guess, that many people don't have. Um, and again, back to the branding and the expertise within our organisation and the, the others that are involved. And, and I guess in order to identify a product, that's where we really need some quality fire reports to occur. Exactly. So that we can extract yeah, the data exactly. so we can make a difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So we can um I know I guess I guess with our fire reporting we're we're gathering a lot of data on, you know, the, the material of the house and that sort of thing. And uh we're finding out that yes, there was no smoke detector um there and then we can put some steps in place and, and things like that. Was it effective? But 
in relation to injuries, yeah, it's very hard to sort of come down to say, well, they were actually doing this um, and how can we prevent that? Mm. Um, but one of the, I think one of the, going back to some of the early data that I, we discovered that there was a number of uh, young sort of teenage, early adults, if you like, working in the hospitality injury, they were getting burnt mm. and um, that came up straight away. That was one of the glaring figures that came out of the data and uh, was trying to work out, well, why? And it was always, you know, always asking why, why, why? Um, and so delved into it, delved into it again and think there's got to be a common factor here. And uh, it, it was looking like that there was um, a lack of training in relation to apprentices and people working in the hospitality industry. Um, and yeah, it was going back to that to try and yeah, increase the training to promote the the fact that people were getting burnt. Uh, I put together a presentation and delivered it to a TAFE hospitality um, class. I couldn't believe it. I was I was in the class and there were at least three people in the class had burn injuries while I was talking to them. And they were in that 15. As a direct result of As a direct, employment? Yeah. And that was between the ages of 15 and um, probably early 20s. Yeah. 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 So people just don't realise what what's going on out there. But I guess always having that inquisitive mind of saying, hang on, no, that doesn't sound right. Let's mm. let's dig a bit deeper and see what the why the cause and um, how can we fix it and yeah, benefit for everybody. Your journey in this area yeah. has seen you become the chairperson of the Victorian Burns Prevention Partnership and you're currently a member, but what is the yeah. Victorian Burns Prevention Partnership? Okay, what happened there back in 2004 when I was looking for the data and uh, it just so happened that uh, everyone that works, I guess, within the, the JFAIP field uh, would know Murray Talbot um, from EMFB. And it just so happened- now just Mar- unpack for us for a second, JFIP for those who might not uh, know what that is. Juvenile Fire Intervention Awareness Program. Mm-hmm. So back then, uh, Murray was looking for some figures in relation to, uh, I guess, young adults um, and children in relation to burn injuries and things. And I happened to go and ask similar questions. And then all of a sudden, it was like, hang on a minute, we've got these two organisations asking the same thing, and it, and it brought us together. And we went from there, and we started to share some data, and then it became regular meetings. And then from there, it's just blossomed. So we meet probably four times a year, but we're on, we can be on the phone. Like if something happens, someone will ring up and say, Hey, we've got this, um, burn. Can you, you know, find some information about it? Or, um, we've got these, we've got five burns this week in relation to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can go, right, we've got an issue here and we can start to work on it. So I guess in, um, back in 2004, we were relying on um, data that was, say, maybe five years old. So someone like, um, I guess, Monash Accident Research Unit would get some data and it would be based on what's happened in the past, not what's happening now or what could be happening in the future. So my my, um, I think, direct um, look at it was let's look at it now and into the future. We can't do anything about the past. Let's have a look at what's happening now and go forward. So- when we started to uh, look at it, it was like, there's no point saying, oh, yeah, we've got an issue. We, we've, we've missed the boat, basically. So let's look. We've, we started to do that, and it was interesting to get that data. Um, and then, yeah, and, and I guess get some prevention messages out there and hopefully present pre- prevent it. But uh, I think – so it's been going since 2004. We've had some ups and downs um, because it doesn't sort of fit into – the mould, like I said earlier. So trying to get awareness and funding for – and we're doing it on a shoestring budget. Um, but the cost of, um, you know, preventing burns, if we uh, – I think it was – if we could – our plan was to um, reduce uh, fire-related deaths by 5% 
in CFA. Well, that over two thousand, not last year, year before, was about not even one person per per annum. But if we reduce that, the burn related injuries by five percent, um, just going to the Alfred alone, we we could be saving millions of dollars, um, in relation to treatment and things. And, and it's like, hang on a minute, what's CFA got to do with medical treatment? Well, we're all working against working for the same cause in trying to stop these burn injuries happening in Victoria. Um, and if we could do that, then, um, yeah, but we're doing it on a shoestring budget. Uh, we did have a program running for some time in relation to um, our uh, early, it was, I guess it was children getting burnt. And um, we ran a program there. We were producing a newsletter and we were producing that four times a year and sending it out to every single maternal health Childcare centre, if you like, in the state, it turned out, and um, we we're doing that on a shoestring budget, and um, yeah, that was that was really good, uh, but it just shows you like we, I sort of, I guess not to drop the ball, but there was a little bit of um, lack of activity for a year, and um, so we went back and had a look, and it was interesting to see that the burn-related injuries over that year increased by twenty percent at the Alfred Hospital and the Royal Children's, um, where we hadn't met and we hadn't done a lot, um, and so we got back into it again and yeah we're, we're hopefully we're, we're we're trying to get those prevention messages so back cl- out again clearly yeah. keeping it front of mind for people is exactly right. yeah 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 so it did i think yeah us trying to do the right thing out there in burn prevention um just showed that an increase in 20 percent um over a 12 month period um and then get back into it again it, it certainly helps yeah. yeah now andrew you're an operational firefighter have you ever had yep. to manage a burn patient at a scene before yeah i've come across a few uh i've um i can remember a gentleman um that was trying to start an engine so he poured petrol down the carburetor turned the engine on and he suffered flash burns to the face and, mm. and arms. And, um, yeah, the, the hardest thing is getting there first and not having any pain relief and just going through the basics of what we normally do is Dr. ABC and um, making sure you, you keep the patient calm because they're in a lot of pain most times if it's just a, a superficial burn. And... Um, so it's basically trying to keep them calm, get water on the burn, keep it cool, but monitoring how long you'd actually been under the water for or kept it cool for. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you cool them down for too long, it'll, they're in shock and uh, their core body temperature will start to, to go down. So what we try to say is cool the burn, burn and warm the patient. Um, and I can always remember we put, um, which, the AV guys rocked up and we, we managed to get some pain relief into him. And, um, we tried to put some glad wrap, um, as a sterile dressing on it, but he was in so much pain. He just went to rip the, um, glad wrap off. Mm-hmm. We were saying, no, 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 because we knew it could have ripped a lot of the skin off as well. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard and confronting. And I guess a lot of firefighters, um, wouldn't come across major burn injuries in their career. Um, and to come across one can be quite confronting. Um, it's not, you know, only the, the look, it's, you know, the, the, the smell and, you know, the, it, it can be quite confronting not being, not seeing them all the time. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it can be quite bad to see. Um, but hopefully we don't get to see those really, those really bad burns that often. Um, where, where can firefighters go to get more information on how to treat burns at a scene, especially if they are the, the first responder on the scene? Yeah, yeah. Look, the Alfred Hospital Burns Unit has got a really good um, webpage. 
Um, and you can go on there and get a lot of information. Uh, you can, um, through our EMR, through the, the career staff, can get information, obviously, through their training. Um, I think that they cover a burns um, aspect on that. Uh, just reading up on the internet. Um, but most of the time, it's, yeah, follow what the, the Alfred Hospital Burns Unit is saying. Um, we have to also be careful with, with paediatric patients when they're burnt <clears throat> because their bodies are smaller and body surface area is smaller than hypothermia can set in even quicker than adults uh, and also can yeah can they can go downhill quite quickly like any other injury with a with a young child we'll make sure we put some links to the Alfred hospital website and particularly yep. those burns pages in the show notes for yes this, yeah. uh, this session yep you attended the emergency management of severe burns course in the United States. What are some of the things you you learnt there? Yeah, no, I actually attended here. Um, oh, okay. What, yeah, what the course is? It's um it's run by the ANSBA, so Australian New Zealand Burn Association. They run a um emergency management severe burns course, which they try and get. Uh, there, uh, I, I just I might get this wrong, but I believe uh, resident doctors, as part of their training, um, are able to do the course. So when they go and say work from um, outside of a burns unit, they might be in a country hospital. They've at least got some knowledge in relation to how to treat a burn, so they can then refer it back to the burns unit back in Melbourne. Um, so it's a, a pretty intense course. Um, even and and obviously burns nurses can do the course. Uh, it's a theory based course. Um, you a lot of reading beforehand and then when you go and do the course it's there's a multiple question um answer sheet if you like and you've got to get 100 percent on that and then there's also a uh, practical component where you actually go back and you've got a, a patient in front of you um, live patient mm-hmm. which they make up with movie makeup to make them look like they're burnt you're given the scenario and you've got to go through how you treat that patient in relation to a burn injury um, so and you're being assessed by a, uh, a doctor and also by a burn specialist nurse yeah yeah so so would that patient be someone who might present just just in a in a household um, scenario, yeah, yeah. Someone oh, who presents at the hospital. Oh, it's um could be it could be on scene or it could be at a hospital. Um, I've gone back a couple of times now um, as a patient, so I've been I've done the course and then gone back as a patient to help, you know, volunteer as a patient to help with the um, assessment. So you'll get made up as a um, say a, a, um, a drunk motorcyclist if you like um, that's been burnt in a motorcycle accident. So you you've got you know you you've got to be violent, um, abusive as well as burn injury. Uh, and then they, they've got to assess you and work out what's actually going on here and do the assessment because that's how it is um, in you know in a lot of cases. Sounds like a challenging, really challenging practical scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes you've got to you, you they'll they'll tell you to cool it down or you know beef it up um, yep. a bit. Yeah, depending on the candidate. Yeah, oh, very good. Yeah. Now, what's your, what's your biggest frustration when it comes to burn prevention? I guess it's um, funding. Um, we really should be putting more money into burn-related injuries. Um, if if you have a look around, I, I can't speak for everywhere in Australia, but I'm assuming that there's not many places in Australia that are, are putting funding into burn prevention. Um, you know programs um, or really looking at the the data and looking at it and going, hang on, we've really got a problem here or working in a really close partnership with um, the hospitals. There are some places around Australia that are doing it, um, but it's a minority. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, we've got a lot to learn from it. And um, I think that partnership between the organisations is is really, really um, 
beneficial. Uh, we've had Steve Warrington come out to the Burns unit at the Alfred as an invitation, and he came out and was, I think he, he went back and made a video um, about the, the, the Alfred Hospital Burns unit, and um, yeah, which was really great to see. Um, so we got him on board. Uh, yeah, so it was good. And what do you think can be done then to promote the need for burn prevention out there? Uh, I guess it's just the continual work and uh, and having having it put out there on social media is probably our best way of doing it. Um, but if we could just get some some funding in relation to yeah, let's get a proper programs happening, or let's keep looking at the data and support the the, the work that's being done between the fire services and the the burns units would be fantastic. And what are some of the resources that you use the most when it comes to burn prevention? Uh, I guess it's um, it, the data now is a lot easier to get uh, through the National Burn Register, but just having that um, network of I know who to ring at the burns unit, um, both burns units, to get that um, information or if I've got a question or, or, or something like that or they've got it likewise, it goes back the other way, um, is, yeah, those those ties between the different organisations. We've now uh, – Kids Safe is involved with us as well. Um, we're now trying to get AV on board as well because there's a there's that data that they've they've got um, in relation to transport that we wouldn't necessarily be able to get hold of. Mm. So that'll be fantastic if we can get them on board. And do you think there's anything in particular that people don't understand about burn prevention? Um, I guess they don't really realise how uh, how it can affect you for the rest of your life. A major burn. Um, there's some great you know work being done at the moment here in Australia and overseas in relation to treatment um, and some fantastic work being done in Australia. We're probably one of the leaders in some of the stuff that we're doing. And um, it's it's just not realising it. It'll have a, an effect on you for the rest of your life um, on some burns. And if it's not the physical um, uh, sort of result of it and you're looking at it every day, it's the mental um, scarring as well that occurs in a major burn. Um, I, was, I was burnt in a uh, house fire um, and I guess that was pretty traumatic um, getting burnt in a house fire. Um, I had my structural gear on and um, yeah, basically got burnt from inside the uh, the structural gear and uh, yeah, it's not a we get taught to calm down and you know, keep calm and all that sort of stuff but I can tell you now when you're cooking inside mm. and you've got flames going across the top of your head, it's not good um, and yeah it, it, it some of that scarring will go on for years Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in relation to burn prevention, is, if you could recommend anything in relation to burn prevention, what would it be? Uh, don't play with accelerants. Uh, don't allow people to play with fireworks. I know I'm being a party pooper there, but you have a look at the injuries they sustain in Northern Territory where it's legal and you have a look at the injuries we get here in Victoria where it's illegal. Yeah, it, you just don't do it. Um, be so careful in relation to cooking. Um, don't pick up uh, when you're cooking if you're using oil, which hopefully not many people are nowadays because of the the, the benefits of not using it. Um, but if it does catch, something does catch fire on the stove, don't try and pick it up and take it outside. Um, we've seen so many people do that and end up getting really badly burnt um, in relation to those sorts of injuries. So, uh, yeah, being vigilant in relation to it and making sure that your smoke detectors work um, and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, It's still amazing how many houses a, we go into where people oh, don't have an yeah. extinguisher, don't right. have a, a, fire, a blanket. fire blanket, Yeah, their smoke yep. alarms aren't working. Yep. That's all, right. all fairly simple things that could be yep. solved. Could be solved, yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
And if people want to find out more about burn prevention, where should they go? Uh, if you go onto the, uh, again, the Alfred Hospital website uh, and go into the burn, uh, adult burn unit, there's some inter- there's some good stuff in there. Um, Kids Safe have got some good stuff in relation to um, paediatric burns, um, but it's basically, yeah, making sure uh, if people have got young children, scolding is the biggest one, so don't drink tea and coffee if you've got a young child around, um, making sure that they can't pull things down on top of them. And yeah, I can't emphasise the amount of don't use accelerants to to light fires. Um, Yeah, keep keep the flames away, keep the accelerant away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Andrew Smith, thank you very much for joining me on the Emergency Management Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the show this week. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please go to emergencymanagementpodcast.com. I'm Stuart Walker, and you've been listening to the Emergency Management Podcast. Bye for now.